0: Oh God, things end, and in ending they begin. Some things begin, and in beginning they end. Things were forever caught in betwixt and between. But you are timeless, and you are eternal, and our faith can be unshakable when it clings to your feet. And so, speak to us through Holy Scripture once again. Your voice, that's what we wish to hear. In Jesus' name, Amen. When we were driving down to Florida for spring break, I saw a sign that I had never seen before. Those of you that drive in the south know that the highways... Particularly in the South. What is this? But in the South, there are just a lot of signs. If you're in uh, Tennessee and Georgia, see Rock City. See Rock City. You see those signs. A lot of firecracker, Crazy Joe's firecracker stand. Because they're illegal up here. We can't get them. So, everybody heading north, they try to get you to buy um, dead-eye dicks, fireworks, whatever. But I saw this sign. I was so intrigued by the sign. I said, Karen... Grab a piece of paper and a pen. Quick, write this down. It was a sign advertising a tattoo establishment. You know, they put the tattoo on you. And so she scribbled it down on the back of a gas receipt. So it's somewhere south of Shepherdsville, Kentucky. I don't know where it is, but it's south of there because we we're going south. Okay, the name of the outfit, Tattoo Charlie's. Big letters, Tattoo Charlies. And then they have a slogan. And it's a slogan that made me stop and think for getting tattoos. Done while you wait. What is this? You think all of us Yankees are dumb? <laughs> D- done while you Wait. You know, I mean, what's the alternative? Leave your arm here and pick it up in three hours. We'll have it ready for <laughs> I could have believed this. Done while you wait. I'll never forget Tattoo Charlie's as long as I live. Well, I want to go to that line, done while you wait. But something happened between services, and I've got to do this. It's the last Sabbath of the school year here, and if I get fired now, the year's over, and it won't matter. But... I met a gentleman just a few moments ago before coming on the platform who's visiting us from uh, Colorado and his name is Paul Conrad. And Paul said to me, Dwight, I want to show you a tattoo I have. And so, Paul is here. I thought, why should I be the only one to see this tattoo? And so, but what's a, Paul, come on up here, please. What is so amazing, and we'll turn it because I know what shoulder it's on. Uh, what is so amazing is that this university, which stands very clearly against all forms of tattooing. Uh, he, 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 here is a tattoo that makes an incredible point. And so, Paul, would you mind if you just take that coat off? Fortunately, you have a short sleeve shirt on. All right. And uh, we're going to turn to this camera right over there. Okay. And if you could just pull that up, Paul, so we can get, a, get the camera on it. Now, I don't know, ladies and gentlemen, if you can see... Yes, you can. You can see three faces here and a world. These are the three angels. One, two, three. And the good news going around the earth. Now, Paul, you didn't get that tattoo originally to be three angels, did you? No, this is a a cover-up for a dancing girl I used to have on (laughs) there. I I was hoping I was going to try to stop you before you... (laughs) Well, I wanted to stop him before he actually told us what it was. But uh, the point is, with the gospel, God can take whatever past you have and turn it into something with a beautiful message. Paul, isn't that something? We're not advocating this, but I am so grateful that you were here. I don't know how to draw this to an end, but Paul, thank you very much for being here today. Give Paul a big hand. That's very kind of you. God bless you. Well, I I was brought up an Adventist in an Adventist home, and I was out of church for years. Well, God just turned that past around, and I uh, praise God. You got to live with some of these things. You're right. That's a good lesson, by the way. Thank you, Paul. Thank you. But I tried to cover it up. You did very well, by the way. (laughs) Uh, Isn't that something? Well, I appreciate Paul being a good sport and. uh, I knew 3ABN would appreciate that in particular. <laughs> with the three angels. With the three angels. And so. But I'm thinking back to Tattoo Charlie's. That done while you wait. You know, ladies and gentlemen, I want, you to, I want you to center down with me now, please. You think about it. Some of the. I don't think that slogan really applies to any tattoo shop. But some of the greatest truths in the universe can be summed up. With that slogan, done while you wait. I'm thinking of the seven most contagious, winsome, buoyant, cheerful reasons in the world why you and I are what we are. I'm thinking of those and I'm thinking, whoa, these were all done while we waited. Take a look. Let's let's just uh, by way of review. Contagious reasons. There it is. Contagious reason number one. Jesus is Lord, Ladies and gentlemen, that is the greatest done-while-you-wait truth in the entire cosmos because it was all done before you and I came along. It's the everlasting gospel. Hallelujah. Contagious reason number two, also done while you wait. In fact, it was done long before we were born. When God created the seventh-day Sabbath to be a symbol of resting in God, it was done and sealed. The Lord finished His work before we came along. Contagious reason number three. Notice this one. The law is in the heart. It too is done while you wait. You don't have a thing to do with it. God himself will write his law upon the tablets of your heart. Contagious reason number four. Take a look at this. Is it done while you wait? Yep. This one is going to be done actually. going to The advent is hope. It is going to be done while you and I wait. He is coming soon. Contagious reason number five. The judgment is good news. Oh, mercy. This one is going on right now. It is being done While we wait. Contagious reason number six. Death is asleep. That's a great one. While you're asleep, God's going to take care of the resurrection. You won't have a thing to do with it. It'll be done while you're waiting in death. And finally, number seven. Good health is God's way. Oops. I guess one of the seven cannot be done while you wait. One of the seven. (coughs) Pardon me. Must be done while you work. You can't wait on this one. There is no such thing as automatic good health. You have to work at it. Excuse me. So there they are. Seven of the most contagious. I believe the most winsome, the most cheerful, the most buoyant reasons why you and I are what we are. And that is we are Christians and we are Seventh-day Adventist Christians. Those seven done while you wait. In fact, so that you could get all seven of these contagious reasons on this wrap-up Sabbath, I put them all on our study guide today. And if you go into your worship bulletin right now, there they are. You don't have to fill in the blanks. They're all there. And I want to say to those of you watching on television just now, you're saying, hey, listen, this is the first time I've seen this program. I would love for you to be able to get the previous presentations. They are all available. In fact, let's put it on the screen right now. It's our website, www.pmchurch.org. Can we put that on the website, please? On the screen, rather. www.pmchurch.org You can go there for the study guides from the previous uh, presentations. We have video streaming so that you can get um, all the presentations as well. This is the last one, the final study guide. By the way, it's there on the, on the website right now. Let's fill it in. Some of life's greatest truths are, so you won't forget, done while you wait. Done while you wait. Now, you think about it, though. The great reality about these done while you wait truths is, this is kind of the, 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 the enigma, sharing them won't get done. You want to share these truths with your world? world? Sharing them will not get done while you wait. In fact, if you wait, this is kind of a scary thought, the people who are nearest to you and dearest to you will never ever hear these truths, these, these seven contagious reasons for your faith. If you wait, you cannot wait for these. That's really not so scary when you do this, when you remember the single word, and I know you know the word well, commission. You've seen the word commission. Everybody knows the word commission. In fact, when we think of the great gospel commission, Jesus says, go into all the world and be contagious for me. That's why we spent these weeks on the commission. But I want to show you why commission is in fact not a scary word at all. Let's go to our first key text. In fact, you want to jot this down in your study guide. It's Matthew chapter 28, the very last chapter of Matthew. And then right in the verses 18 through 20. To you do that? Matthew chapter 28. Right in 18 through 20. And would you please open your Bible? Now, I'll be in the New Revised Standard Version as we wrap up this series on being contagious. Matthew chapter 28. Let's pick it up. Let's do this. Let's pick it up in verse 16 so that we get kind of the uh, historical flow for what we're going to read. Verse 16. Now the eleven disciples, that would be all twelve, minus Judas, who's now tragically gone. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. Christ is risen. This is just before the the ascension. Acts 1, much more detail about the ascension. Matthew encapsulates it this way. So they go to this mountain. Jesus said, I'm going to meet you at the mountain up by Galilee. But now notice this, verse 17. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some, notice this, some doubted. I want to say that it is not a sin to doubt. This is not a condemnation here. Some doubted. Oh, they're 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 damned. They're lost. No, 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 no. It's not a sin to doubt. If you don't make your doubts, you're gone. Now I have some So I have some uh, acquaintances who, who, who revel in their doubts, and they just celebrate their doubts, and they broadcast their doubts. Now, that's not what this is all about at all. It's okay to doubt. In fact, if it weren't natural to doubt, we wouldn't be free, now would we? God made us with the capacity to question. It's okay. We're in a university. We can question. Just keep hanging on until you find an answer. Look for the answer. So some worshiped and some doubted. And, of course, we know Thomas doubted. Now, verse 18. Here we go. And Jesus came into their midst and he said to them, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Verse 19, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Verse 20, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember now, don't you ever forget this. I am with you always to the end of the age. Ladies and gentlemen, the Great Commission is for every friend of Jesus. And get this, will you please? The Great Commission is a co-mission. You want to take the bad news out of commission? Just misspell the word. Write C-O hyphen and then the word mission. In fact, let's put that in our study guide. The Great Commission is a co-mission. And what is co-? It's a Latin prefix and it means with. It's a mission you have with someone. It is a mission you never have to do on your own. Remember the co. At every time you step out, every time you speak up, just remember, I'm going to be contagious for Jesus right now. And boom, just like that, He is with you. Well, he just said it. Lo, I am with you always. In fact, do you remember the old King James? Mine says, "Remember, and I will be with you always." But the old King James doesn't it go like this? Lo. I am with you always. Isn't that how it goes? Reminds me of the story of a little girl in Sabbath school. She was. They had all been working on their memory verses and it was her turn. She had Matthew 28, 20 as her memory verse and she got up and she was a little bit befuddled and frustrated in front of her classmates. And so she got up and she threw her little shoulders back and she said, Glow, I am with you always. And I think of the words of that little girl. Glow, I am with you always. You know what? That is what contagious Christianity is all about. That's what it means to be a contagious Adventist. Glow everywhere you go. And when you glow for me, I am with you always. It is a co-mission. I am a co-partner with you. You will never be contagious without me. You'll never have to be alone. I will always be with you. Isn't that beautiful? Takes the sting right out of this business of a commission. And by the way, when he is with you, watch this. Look what Christ promises to do. Open your Bible to key text number two. Just turn back a few pages. In fact, let's put it on the screen so you can get the numbers right there in your study guide. It'll be Matthew chapter 10, verses 19 and 20. But I want you to find it in your Bible. Just go back a few pages. We're already in the Gospel of Matthew. Go back to Matthew chapter 10. If you have a red-letter Bible, these words ought to be in red because Jesus spoke them. Verses 19 and 20 of Matthew chapter 10. Ah, there they are. This is a dynamite promise. Wow, I can't believe that we missed this one. I hope you never miss it after today. You want to be a contagious Christian for Jesus Christ? You never have to forget this one now. It's locked into your brain. Verse 19, and Jesus says, when they hand you over, do not worry. When you're sitting on a bus... When you're sitting on a plane, when you're in an office over uh, the cooler, when you're standing in line at Disneyland, when you are there, do not worry about how you are to speak or what you are to say. For what you are to say will be given to you at that time. Now notice verse 20. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Isn't that dynamite? What Jesus is saying is, look, awesome. You want to be contagious for me? The moment you decide to be contagious for me, I'm going to tell you something. The spirit of my father is going to personally coach you. He will actually pick your words for you. And when he picks them, you just speak them. You'll do just fine if you speak what he brings to your mind. I can be rather uh, assertive about this because it happened to me just a few days ago. And in fact, last Sabbath for alumni Sabbath, and a lot of you weren't here in order that the alumni could be here. But uh, I shared a story, and some of you perhaps were here. I shared a story about uh, being with Pastor Skip. We were out in L.A. and we were in a hot tub, in a jacuzzi together at the end of a day, trying to get caught up to the West Coast time. And in comes a woman. She's an insurance adjuster with two male colleagues. They're both insurance adjusters as well. They sit in the pool and we start a little chit-chat. And what are you guys doing? And, well, we're producing a television program that, D- that is trying to discover and chronicle evidence for the existence of God. Wow, she says, I'm fascinated with that. Of course, I don't believe in God, but I'm very fascinated. And I'm thinking, I'm sitting in the hot tub with an atheist insurance adjuster. Now, what do I do now? Now, ladies and gentlemen, I believe that the Holy Spirit brought to my mind what came to my mind. It was nothing big, you understand that. It was no big deal. But I didn't... Uh, what was I going to say now? I mean, you could just get and say, Hey, did you see the weather today? Wasn't this something... But I think maybe, guys, this is a part of the key. If you set out in your journey through life looking for contagious opportunities, I'm I'm looking to see if there might be somebody with whom I might share Jesus with. If you have the mindset, I really believe God honors that mindset and he says, you know what? You're open for me. Good. Let me tell you something, boy. Say this. You know, sometimes we travel on the planes and say, man, I'm so sick and tired of people. I hope nobody sits in this chair beside me. How many times have we all done that? I want to read the whole way. You know, if we are standoffish, God, God's not going to force himself upon us. But, you know, I believe sometimes God kind of scratches his head. He says, I can't believe this. I can't believe it. She is sitting right there. She's my contagious friend. I went and put that woman in the grocery line right behind her, and there's a long hold up there, and she could have said something. I, I can't believe She missed it. She missed it. Do you have, hey, Gabriel, are there any other contagious friends nearby? Because this, this other woman is wide open right now. Angel, get me somebody, please. He missed it. You know, the, um, WBBM, okay, that's news radio in Chicago. I listen to that uh, WBBM radio every single morning after devotions and running and then shower and shaving, so I'm listening. And they've been doing a series of ads lately from a large bank in Chicago. I don't know the name of the bank. This just came to me a few moments ago. And so I it doesn't matter the name of the bank. But the point of the ads is here is, here is Rick Jones, investment banker, sitting in this barber chair. Here is Daryl Smith, owning a cement company, sitting in this barber's chair, side by side. But they would never know the opportunity if you whacked them in the ear with a, the with a scissors or something like that. The point is, how could people get so close and yet miss a chance? And I'm thinking to myself, does God wonder that every day? Where you are going? He walked right. He could have stopped. The whole point is, ladies and gentlemen, we have to be open. You want to be contagious? Be open. At the beginning of every day, you get down on your knees and say, Jesus, I don't know where I'm going today. I don't know who I'm going to meet today. But Lord Jesus, would you make me contagious today? Please, use me any way you wish. When the mind is open. Okay. So I'm in this hot tub. I had no idea I was going to be in a hot tub at the end of the day. But this woman is sitting there and she says, I'm an atheist insurance adjuster. And the Holy Spirit says, boy, let me just remind you that in insurance policies, there are three words, acts of God. Ask her what she does with those three words. It just went like that and boom, it came out. And she got into this huge explanation and it opened the door for me to share with her and the two men there our website. Ladies and gentlemen. You don't have to give a dissertation every time you're contagious for Jesus. Sometimes it's just a single seed, a piece of information that you pass on. And the Holy Spirit takes that seed and says, I'll take care of it now. Get out of the way. You had all the time you needed with her. I needed that seed. And it will take another person and another and another. And she's sitting on the internet one night and says, What was that thing he gave me? TheEvidence.tv. TheEvidence.tv. And she types it in. I want to put these three websites there at the end of your study guide, but I want to put them on the screen for you right now. You know what? Do you have pre-Christian friends? Rusearching.com. Notice it's not the words, are you? It's just, are you? Pioneer Memorial Church runs this global site. We get thousands of hits a week. You can help spread the good news. AreYouSearching.com. You just say that before you get off the plane. By the way, write this website down. Rusearching.com. Write another one. Here's one for your... None. These are these are postmodern, post-Christian friends. They are totally out of it in terms of any belief system. www.theevidence.tv. Just write it. Just just write it down. You've got your study guide. Tell them about it. And for your pre-Adventist friends, tell them about pmchurch.org. Three websites. They're there in your study guide. It's just a matter of planting a seed. How can we go wrong? Because Jesus says, "Look, glow. I am with you always, and I will even pick the words for you." Now, ladies and gentlemen, that is a pretty good deal, wouldn't you say? I'm not only with you, I'll pick the words. Whoa, what a partner to have in our contagious mission. I came across this uh, in Oswald Chambers' book. I read this book every day of my life, every morning, and it just happened that this week. Here is a line about our co-partnership. This is the book, My Utmost for His Highest, one of the most popular books, devotional books in the history of the English language. And it's by a Britisher named Oswald Chambers, died back uh, during World War I. Here are the words, but be careful to remember. This is good advice for contagious Christians, but be careful to remember that you are freed for one thing only. To be absolutely devoted to your co-worker. I like that. We've talked about co-mission. Now here we have his actual writing. Be devoted to your co-worker. Don't worry about getting all the arguments straight. You be devoted to Jesus. He'll take care of it. Be absolutely devoted to your co-worker. There is no responsibility on you for the work. No, no. The only responsibility you have is to keep in living constant touch with God. And to see that you allow nothing to hinder your... Here's how the British spell the word cooperation. I like it. Cooperation with Him. What is cooperation? He operates. I hang around Him while He operates. That is cooperation. What is a commission? He he does the mission. I hang around Him. I get the credit. What is a co-worker? Jesus does the work. I hang around Him. He says, you are a part of what I just did. Guys... How could there be a more glorious advantage for contagious Christians, for contagious Adventists, than to know that our co-partner, our co-mission is with none other than the Lord Jesus Christ? In fact, would you put that down in your study guide? In fact, I see that I've just missed a whole bunch on the study guide, so let's just fill it in right now. Key text number one, I'm getting so excited about this. You've already put in Matthew 18 to 20. The Great Commission is a co-mission. Can you just write in co-mission? You just leave the screen as it is up there in the control room. We'll edit it later. The Great Commission is a co-mission. And then you already got this, like the little girl said, glow, I'm with you always. You've already put in the text, uh, Matthew 10, 19 and 20. Now, drop drop down to the bottom of the page. The first two letters of contagious... Hey, how can we forget this now? The first two letters of contagious. C-O. Are the contagious advantage. right in the word advantage. That's the advantage. We are co-partners with Jesus in his co-mission. Glow. I'm with you always. And I'll even tell you what to say. Come on. What could be more contagiously advantageous for the likes of you and me? Now, by the way, I must tell you before we hurry out of here. It's going to take this. This is what it will take to start an epidemic. An epidemic that, according to the apocalypse, is eventually going to sweep over this whole planet. And I want you to get the epidemic down. Uh, key text number three, Revelation chapter 18. Open your Bible, please. Revelation chapter 18. Key text number three, just one verse. It's verse one. Revelation 18, right in verse one. And then uh, let me read this. After this. This is old man John writing on the Isle of Patmos, sticking out of the Aegean Sea there. After this, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was made bright with His splendor. The old King James says it was made made bright with His glory. How could the earth be made bright? I'll tell you how. Glow I am with you always. That's how it's made bright. Revelation 18.1 is not about an angel. It's about a whole generation of contagious friends of Jesus who glow wherever they go. And because they're glowing with the light that shines in Jesus' face, the earth is made bright with the knowledge of Christ. And that's a promise, by the way. That is a prediction that is yet to come true. In the the apocalyptic classic, Great Controversy, the promise is augmented with this little bit of predictive language. Take a look at this. Great Controversy. Friends of God... Oh, I love this. Friends of God. Talking about contagious. Friends of God with their faces lighted up and shining with holy consecration will hasten from place to place to proclaim the message from heaven by thousands. Did you think it was going to be done by satellite? It will never be done by satellite. By thousands of voices, you and me together. See? By thousands of voices all over the earth, the warning, prepare to meet your God, will be given. Thus, the inhabitants of the world will be brought to take their stand. Hold on. The message will be carried not so much by argument. Oh, man, I don't have my study guide here. I'm not going to be able to share with them. Oh, I shouldn't have left my study guide at home. No, no, no. It's not going to be done by argument so much as by deep conviction of the Spirit of God. What do you say to that? Hallelujah. It will be done by the convicting power of the Spirit who says, Hey, if you, if you ask me to make you contagious, I will not only coach you, I will put the words in your mouth, and if you listen to me, you will say the first thing on your tongue, I'll use it. I will use it to get through in a way you don't even understand. You don't even understand what I'm doing right now, but say what I just told you to say. Wow. Wow. I had the privilege... Uh, the other evening of sitting down with Danny Shelton, 3ABN. And we were having a conversation on camera. For the second hour, they took questions from across the country. And one person I remember called in, I don't remember from where, and the person said, All right, Dwight, you're talking about uh, your theme tonight of reaching the whole world. Is there any Bible prophecy that you know of that predicts that Islam, because Islam has been in the news of late, that Islam will be reached with Christianity? I thought for a moment and... I still cannot think of any Bible prophecy that says Islam, but I did think of this one that we just read a moment ago. And I believe this is a promise for Islam. Revelation 18.1. I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great authority, and the whole earth. That has to include the Islamic countries. Don't you think? Don't you think? It has to include the Islamic countries. You know what that means? You and I, as we witness the unfolding events in the Middle East, I mean, this ongoing... I don't know what's going to happen. Israel and Palestine. Do you understand this? Hey, listen, I got an an email yesterday from a friend of mine who lives in Beirut. His name is Raja. I want to share with you the email. I just got this yesterday. What what, what is their interpretation? Now, Beirut is sitting right above Israel, right above the crisis. Raja's writing to me. He says, the times we are living in are exciting. As I muse toward our south. So he's looking south from Lebanon. I see certain signs that the news do not necessarily convey. People are questioning, is this the beginning of the end? The the political lingua has changed these past three weeks. The whole area seems to be in a heated cauldron about to boil over. But we trust in the Lord. He slumbers not nor sleeps. The coming of our Lord is near. Let us pray for each other, Dwight. From somebody sitting in the middle of the boiling cauldron saying, we don't know, we can't tell what is about to happen. You know what, ladies and gentlemen? You and I came today in the relative security and safety and absolute unfussed, unbothered manner in which we did. But could it be that maybe what we ought to be doing is praying for God's contagious friends who are in the heart of these Islamic countries? You want to pray a God-sized prayer? Said Dwight, I can't find anybody that's lost around me. Well, if you can't think of one lost person living around you, why don't you start praying for contagious friends God has in the Islamic nations? That Jesus might guide them as they skillfully move, choose their words carefully, the Holy Spirit picking the words for them, that they might plant the seeds of the everlasting gospel. You know, if we prayed God-sized prayers, we could get behind the veil of Islam. We could get behind the veil of Hinduism, behind the veil of Buddhism. We could get, we could get into communist China and Cuba. Why not? It is a co-mission. We are co-partners. He's the senior partner. The mission is his. Pray contagiously. Ah, glow. I am with you always even to the end of the age. And by the way, I must tell you before we share our final key text, I must tell you that I believe Revelation 18:1 is a promise for the postmodern post-Christian essentially pagan West. I believe that the gospel is going to penetrate the West before Jesus comes. Do you think God only loves the East? Don't you think He loves the sophisticated West that has built up this bastion of resistance to Him? Don't you think God's going to break into the West? He's going to do it. Revelation eighteen one. put your finger on it and claim that promise. He already has contagious agents in the West. Names sound a lot like yours and mine. It's time. Revelation 18.1 is going to come true. Some of you are thinking, well, you know what? I just wish God would finish this. I mean, God, why don't you just wrap this whole thing up and take us home? I hear a lot of Adventist prayers that go that way. That is a very selfish prayer. I'll tell you why. Because you're saying that your salvation is more important than a billion people. That's why. I want to go home. I'm so sick and tired of this. What about a billion kids? You know what? You're not the only child. You're not an only son. God has other children that he loves. You know why God won't do it himself? I'll just tell you plain up front. God won't do it himself because if he does it himself, you won't become like him. What is a great passion of God? That his children, like father, like son, like father, like daughter. But if you go through life saying, I want to make sure that only I get to heaven, God says, oh my, I'm so sorry. You never became God-like. You don't have a passion for lost people. Do you know I cannot sleep at night, God says, because I have lost kids. Do you know that God never sleeps? That's why. He's got lost kids. If you were a parent and your child was lost, would you sleep comfortably at night? You would not. You'd stay up night and day to find that child. And God's the same way. And God says, by the way, you want to come and live in my home? I don't want to make it hell for you. And if you don't have a heart like mine, you would be so unhappy here. So I'm waiting for you to have a heart like mine. Then I'll do it. Don't worry about me. I can do it just like that. I just want your heart. I want you to share my passion. Ladies and gentlemen, we cannot share the passion of God unless we go to the foot of Calvary. A lot of times we hurry to the cross and say, well, it must be communion time. Thank you. Nope. Go to the cross every single day of your life. Look up into that nail in those nail-scarred hands and that thorn-pierced brow. Look into the countenance in the eyes of Jesus. And there you will see the passion of God for lost people. And then you will know that's the kind of heart I want. That's the heart God is waiting for in my life. I tell you what, you ask God at the foot of the cross to make you contagious where you're going this summer. You ask God to make you contagious. I promise you Cub Scouts honor. He will honor that prayer and he will make you contagious. You just ask. He never will force. You just ask. Final key text. Number four. Revelation is absolutely clear. There will be a contagious generation at the end of time that has a solitary passion for God. Now, before I give you the reference, I need to tell you. That George Knight, in his fascinating book that I read just a few months ago, provocative book, A Search for our Identity, which chronicles the, the history of theological development within our community of faith. George Knight says, I want to tell you, when it's all said and done, this text that you're about to receive, this text is the most comprehensive summation that exists of what it means to be a Seventh-day Adventist Christian in the third millennium. This single text best summarizes it. So I'm going to give you the text now in closing. Revelation chapter 14. Write it down. The number is verse 12. Verse 12. The most succinct, comprehensive summation of what it means to be a contagious Adventist. Okay, we'll end with this. Go to Revelation. You're already there in Revelation if you left your Bible open. But just go back to chapter 14 and we will read verse 12. Here is a call for the endurance of the saints Those who keep the commandments of God and hold fast to the faith of Jesus. There they are, God's contagious friends at the end of time. Would you write it down, please, in your study guide? Who are these contagious friends of God? Put it up on the screen. They have a passion for God and His truth. And they have, number two, devotion to Jesus and His faith. Here is a call for the endurance of the saints, those who keep the commandments of God and hold fast to the faith of Jesus. Those who have endurance. Key word here, ladies and gentlemen, key word is endurance. Now, I need to tell you this. I ran my first race this last Sunday morning. When a man turns 50, he needs to prove things to himself, if to nobody else. And so I said, I've got, to, I've got to run in this alumni fun run 5K race. My goal, cross the finish line alive. Just cross alive. Now, that was my goal until Pastor Timothy Nixon on our pastoral staff, one of our chaplains, his wife, Sandria. She comes saundering up to me when I get out of my car to come to that race. She comes saundering up to me and says, oh, Dwight, I'm so glad you're here. Now there will be somebody I can beat I suddenly changed my goal from crossing the finish line to beating every woman in this race. (laughs) I wouldn't have said that if it hadn't been for Sandria. So, I did, just barely, but I did. Hallelujah. Now, after the race, I'm hanging around these marathon types. We had guys in this race. This is true. We had guys in this race who've run the Chicago Marathon, who've run the Boston Marathon, who've run the London Marathon. So I'm hanging around them just to kind of be influenced in their presence. And they said to me, Dwight, I want to tell you something. We know how old you are, but you can still, you can still do this if you build endurance. The racer knows that he's got to develop a mindset, a mental attitude that says, I am not going to quit no matter how I feel. I am not going to listen to my body right now. I'm going to keep running. I can't even see the finish line, but I'm going to keep enduring because I know that one day I'm going to cross that finish line. Here is the endurance of the saints, those who keep the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus. These are men and women, young adults and teenagers who say, I can't see the finish line yet, but I'm not going to quit running. I'm going to keep racing to be contagious for the Lord Jesus Christ. And when they are tempted to shut up, and sit down and say, K sera, sera. What will be, will be. Let somebody else be a contagious witness now. No, they know that the race is not over, and if they don't say a word at this moment, it may be the salvation of a human being is at stake. And so they keep running with endurance, and they speak up when they don't even feel like it. They stand up. They stand up in their office. They stand up on the board. They stand up in their laboratories. They stand up in their dormitories. They stand up, and they speak out. Here is the endurance. you got to endure. Daniel and his three worthy friends, they said, I don't care what happens in the University of Babylon. We have purposed in our hearts that we're going to stand only for Jesus Christ. We will stand only for God. Here is the endurance of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God. And I love this in the New Revised. Hold fast to the faith of Jesus. I got up early this morning for worship. I'm going to tell you a story and then sit down. But I got up early this morning for worship. And while there in my little study, I pulled out. I know sometimes I do this just on a whim. Sometimes maybe for reasons that are known by another presence in the room. But I pulled out a little book. And it's number nine. It has a nine on it. I kind of like to think of this book as this author that really stirs me at times. I like to think of this as her... Kind of last will and testament. It's the last in a series of nine of these. See? So I picked up number nine. And I turned to page 19. And we don't even have this on the screen because this came early this morning. But I want to read it to you. Can I just read a few words to you? Listen to this as we wrap up this series and go to our final story. In a special sense. Seventh-day Adventist. Okay? In a special sense. Not because we're special. Special God says, I've got to use somebody. You'll do in a special sense, Seventh day Adventists have been set in the world as watchmen and watchwomen and light bearers. Glow, I'm with you always, as light bearers, see, glow. To them, to you, has been entrusted the last warning for a perishing world. On them, on you, is shining wonderful light from the Word of God. They, you have been given a work of the most solemn import. The proclamation of the first, second, and third angels' messages. Listen to this. Wow. There is no other work of so great importance. You are to allow nothing to absorb your attention. There is nothing more important at this hour than to be contagious as a Seventh-day Adventist Christian. There is no other message. Ladies and gentlemen, I say this with all the humility that God will give me. There is no other message. This message has to go out and those seven buoyant, cheerful, winsome reasons for why you are what you are, they have to be known. They're not for you to hoard. They're for you to share. It's a treasure. It's light. And there are people in postmodern, post-Christian America who are living in darkness who need the light of Jesus Christ. Nothing else to, is to absorb the energies. Well, we're not there yet, I realize. We've got a lot that absorbs. A lot that absorbs our energies these days. I mean, you got a summer job. you got to work this summer. You're coming back next year. you got to do that. I mean, you can't just worry about things like this. But maybe, maybe the time has come for a generation of young Daniel types, Esther types, who in spite of the generation before them, the young, aggressive enough, risk-taking enough to be contagious and go for broke. I'm telling you, Revelation 18.1 says, coupled with 14.12, that there will be a contagious witness that will sweep this planet one last time. And some of you are the key to that exploding in the neighborhood where you live and where you go. Winsome, buoyant, cheerful, contagious, and yes, I want to end, courageous. Not only contagious, courageous. Courageous. I want to share with you a story in closing that I learned while walking through the airport in Denver. Our plane was headed to Los Angeles. Unexpectedly, we landed in, at Stapleton Airport. And that's where I learned the story. You see, I saw a man getting off the plane, an aged cleric. Okay, he had his ministerial collar on. I said, I want to meet that man. Maybe we are of the same cloth, perhaps. And so I went into the tarmac and he sat down in the waiting area. He was visiting with an Orthodox rabbi Priest. All right? So they're talking. And I said, I'm going to sit right over beside them so that I can hear this. And I, they're speaking a foreign tongue. I cannot understand a single thing they're saying. Well, I missed that one. But the rabbi got up and left. And when he left, I leaned over to the aged cleric I'd seen at first. And I said, what language was that you're speaking? And he said in flawless English, oh, we were speaking Romanian. I said Romanian. How did you learn Romanian? Oh, he said, "Well, actually, he said uh, I used to I, I used to be in Romania, and that was my chance to shoot it." I said, "Oh, by the way, I'm a minister too." He said, "You are? What church?" I threw back my shoulders and I said, 7th day Adventist." You know how you do that? You're just gonna. Kind of... What's he gonna say? Oh, he said, I know, I know Seventh-day Adventists. I said, oh, this is great. He said, yeah, I know Seventh-day Adventists. I knew some of them that were in prison. And I thought, oh, man, just my luck to bump into a prison chaplain that knew a bunch of Adventist crooks. How could this be that I could talk to him? Why did I mention thy faith? No, he said, no, no, no. He said, no, I knew, I knew, I knew some Adventists when we were in prison together. You see, I'm Lutheran, I'm from Germany, but I was in Romania in prison, communist Romania. And then I discover I have met an author of 16 books, one of which I own in my library, Sermons in Solitary Confinement, Sermons at Richard Wormbrand, Now Deceased. Wrote by memory in jail and when he was released from incarceration, he jotted those sermon sermons down on paper and they published them and I've read them. Moving, moving stuff. I'm with Richard Wurmbrand. Oh yes, he said. Oh yes, he said. I love Adventists. He said, you know what? We didn't have any calendars in our prison. But we knew every time the Sabbath had come because you people would begin to scream. I oh, thought, man, that that is so weird. Why would our people just scream out, "Sabbath here, Sabbath here"? can not you just do it quietly? He said, "No." He said, "You were screaming out. We knew it was. We knew it was the seventh day. Every time we heard the Adventists being beaten for refusing to work on that day, and when we heard their cries, we said, it must. It, it must be Saturday again. They're not going to work.'" <laughs> I came to church, threw on a tie and. It's no big deal. Beating every time the Sabbath comes, how contagious would your faith be then? Oh, he says, he said, I, I love you, Adventist. He said, do you know what? The Adventists even tithed in prison. I said, please, tithing. I mean, that's like, you know, why would you go to do that? No, he said, look, every day we got watery soup. Every day, but every week, once, we got a single piece of bread. Do you know what you Adventists would do? Every tenth week, they would go out, go without that slice of bread, giving it instead to a more emaciated and suffering prisoner in the cell block. Tithing their bread crusts, screaming through their Sabbath beatings, Here is the endurance of the saints. Here, here are they that keep the commandments of God and hold fast to the faith of Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, Revelation chapter 14, verse 12, clearly is an apocalyptic call to become a contagious, courageous Adventist. It is a call that comes with a cost, of course, but that cost is dwarfed by the greatest advantage of all. glow. I am with you always, even to the end of the world. It is no wonder the old King James, right after those words in Matthew, ends with the word, Amen. Oh God, we are not worthy to be sent. that You would be willing to send us even as You sent Jesus. It moves us to our depths. How can You use such weak and erring, bumbling, fumbling people like we are? And yet somehow, Holy Father, Jesus' grace is sufficient And through the empowering of His mighty Spirit, we can endure to the end as contagious friends of yours. Oh God, do whatever it takes in our lives to bring about a longing to share your passion. Do whatever it takes in our hearts to make us into contagious disciples of of Christ. Some of us will not be together again, ever again. But, dear Father, please, may the one who said, Lo, I am with you always, abide with all of us, whithersoever we go, and may we have the joy when those gates are thrown wide open. At last, may we have the joy of bringing home to you lost children you have longed to find. Use us, please, any way you wish. And now unto Him who is able to do abundantly more than all that we can ask or imagine. To the only wise God, be glory through Jesus Christ and in his church, both now and forever. Amen.